Let's explore defensiveness and five other spiritual poems. This is Lama Jigme Gyatso. Welcome to Meditate Like a Jedi. Today's first poem, Defensiveness. We called maternal grandmother Nanny, for as an infant, once I started to talk, I pointed at her and gleefully exclaimed, Nanny! And the name stuck. Mother regaled sister and I with tales of Nanny. Nanny, it would seem, would abide no con constructive criticism, and towards that end, had made of defensiveness an art. If her mild-mannered husband, who we called Papa, even gently noted the toughness of the meat she served, I'm told Nanny would drop her silverware, widen her eyes as if slapped in the face, take in a sharp breath, and exclaim, well, I guess I'm a terrible person. Oh, what an efficient way to discourage any constructive criticism and to prevent any unwanted improvement. For defensiveness and personal growth are mutually exclusive, as we can only choose one or the other. Sister and I loved this story, and upon its telling, promptly devised a new game, where we would stomp about the house, one pointing out an innocuous fact, and the other proclaiming, Well, I guess I'm a terrible person! Being well-mannered children, we took turns being the observer and the defender. Come. Let us laugh at the folly of the defensive impulse that dwells within us all, which, despite its function to guard us, only serves to protect us from much-needed growth. Today's second poem, Scarcity. As my partner opened a kitchen container, Thus, relieving, thus releasing the scent of sourdough fermenting. Memories of hot buttered sourdough toast flooded upon me. Slipping further back upon mine's timeline, I recalled that in a preparation for grandparents' visit, Mom earnestly made sure that there were fresh sourdough rolls for her father, who, I am told, without them could not eat, could not push the foot, uh, the food upon his fork, could not mop up the sauce. Upon sharing this recollection with my partner, she told a similar tale of her grandfather, and we savored the dichotomy of a San Francisco Jew's love of sourdough and a Kentucky Gentile's love of toasted white bread, the two united by their common need to push food upon their forks, as well as mop up the source so as not to waste. For both endured 
the economic depression of the 30s and forever were shaped by the echoes of scarcity. Like Luke drinking bantha milk upon Tatooine, or like partner and I laboring to clean our plates when we were children. Scarcity is something we know little of and therefore must strive to reduce our waste. Today's third poem, Sliding. Buddha spoke often of instinctual craving and obsessive cerebral clinging of the lower drives of the brainstem and the higher drives of the midbrain. But even something as lofty and beautiful as love could become license for the controlling tendencies that could tether us to the cycle of stress. How could we prevent our altruistic concern for others from slipping into the folly of striving to control others? like Anakin gradually slipping to the dark side under the subtle influence of Palpatine. The antidote to this dilemma is the practice of love and letting go, which could be practiced silently or blended with mantra meditation. During our inhalation, we could silently and mentally recite, May neighbors' lots be as fortunate as a Buddha's paradise. And during our exhalation, we could chant the six-syllable mantra while relaxing as best we can, for that supports our release, both physical and mental. We could do this for five minutes, ten minutes, or even fifteen, without any danger of our love turning to the dark side, like elves under the sway of Middle-earth's Vala Morgoth. For the power of accessing a letting go by relaxing into our exhalations could be the key that unlocks the door whose threshold we could step over into the much larger world spoken of by Obi-Wan to Luke. Today's fourth poem, Where? What's that? You say you're a mindfulness teacher? Fabulous. Tell me, where did you sit for your first three-year retreat? How long did it take you to accumulate 10,000 hours of formal practice and an additional 10,000 hours of study? Which Bodhisattva Bhumi have you accomplished? I ask this not to be a dick. I ask this for if you have failed to master Buddha's path, then all you could really teach others is how they too could also fail to master Buddha's path. Will you defy your impulses, defensiveness? Will you defy your impulses, defensiveness and prideful? Will you continue your training or persist in your folly? 
for it was not a career that Buddha offered us as much as freedom from the tyranny of craving and clinging. Today's fifth poem, Clutching Hands. Many great enlightened men and women who founded meditation lineages were matriarchs who taught passive mindfulness, non-conceptual experience, and relaxation into the release of acceptance. Just as every sunrise is followed by a sunset, likewise when the, these great contemplatives died, and when they did, their teachings eventually fell into the clutching hands of patriarchs, who over time replaced passive mindfulness with active concentration, who replaced non-conceptual experience with analytical labeling, who replaced relaxation into the release of acceptance, into the pushing and pulling of trying to control experience. The teachings of patriarchy are abundant, but they cannot free us from the cycle of stress, for they actually feed into it. So let us practice the simple path of loving and letting go. Today's sixth and final poem, Fueling Meditation. Be it rage, anger, or merely annoyance, anger and any of its variations could be quite energizing. Yes, that energy could whip us into a frenzy, driving us to say cruel things and make tragic choices. But that energy could be harnessed. It could fuel our walking meditation. As we inhale, we could silently and mentally recite passionate. And during our outbreath, we could silently and mentally recite yet empty, as we relax as best we can. For the physical relaxation latent in every exhalation is the carrier wave that we could surf into a psychological release. Let us dispense with the self-righteousness of defensively hemming and hawing about the intensity or label with which we describe what we feel, and instead slap the generic label of passionate upon our emotions. Be persistent, for after 20 minutes or 40 minutes or 60 minutes of this walking meditation, you could feel something shift. But what do we mean by empty? Is this a complex philosophy we need to wrap our intellects around? Or archaic metaphysics we must blindly believe? Nope. Not at all, not even a little bit. Empty is just a poetic way of expressing just how non-graspable your anger could feel, or just how non-graspable the circumstances feeding your anger could feel, or just how non-graspable the individual who is annoying you 
could feel, or just how non-graspable you, who feel the anger, could feel. During each in-breath, circumstances, individuals, emotions, and even our sense of self could sharpen to crystal clarity. And as we relax into our exhalation, the individuals, circumstances, emotions, and even your sense of self could feel less and less graspable. They could feel as non-graspable as a vast empty void, like the infinite azure sky on a crisp and cloudless morn. Begin your walking meditation with a three-syllable meditation such as passionate, yet empty. If, at a certain point, that becomes a bit of a burden, you could practice a one-syllable meditation such as this, yes. But start off with the three-syllable version as it is more effective that way. In our enthusiasm to grow, let us not commit the error of the Sith, who deliberately concentrate upon what fuels their rage. For we have neither to chase after emotion, nor actively concentrate upon it. Better it is to be centered and flowing and dance with whatever spontaneously arises, for it is only the passive path of vulnerability that crosses enlightenment's threshold. Let us conclude with a simple call to action. This podcast will never have any advertisements, so support us monthly on PayPal and like us on your podcast service to help others find us just as you found us as well. If meditation has felt impossible, boring, or just out of reach, you are welcome to register at buddhajoy.org for the next series of live online meditation class webinars that meet once a week.